Welcome to the Addiction in Emergency Medicine and Acute Care podcast. Why does this topic matter? One person in the United States dies from a drug overdose every six minutes. We as healthcare providers must do better to treat addiction, prevent overdoses, and improve the lives of our patients and their families. This podcast is designed to provide you with simple and evidence-based information on substance use disorders that you can use to take better care of your patients on your next shift. Hello again, and welcome back to another episode of Addiction in Emergency Medicine and Acute Care. Dr. Casey Grover here, back again as your host. Today's topic is going to be on adulterants in street drugs. Now, you might be wondering, how did I pick this topic? And as a brief aside, there are so many great topics for this podcast and really just not enough time. Anyways, Emergency Medicine News, which is often abbreviated as EMN, is a periodical for emergency physicians, and they do a great job every month of covering pertinent topics relevant to the average practicing emergency physician. So I was browsing through some EMN articles recently, and one caught my eye. It was on the topic of complications from adulterants in street drugs. The title of the article was, In Focus, Complications from Adulterants in Street Drugs. The author was James Roberts, and it was published in Emergency Medicine News in September of 2021. I started reading. Dr. Roberts started the article with a simple overview of the topic, and I will quote his introduction as it's very succinct and provides a great overview of this topic. Quote, drug users may not get what they bargained for when buying pills, powder, or other forms of drugs from a street dealer. Contaminants and adulterants are found in the vast majority of drugs bought on the street, and cocaine, heroin, and other opioids are rarely pure drugs. Even pharmaceutical-grade pills are often bogus, even if packaged to appear to be from a legitimate source. Illicitly manufactured drugs commonly contain additional pharmacologically active components used to increase the bulk of the product, simulate a street drug's effects, or to enhance the potency of the primary product. There are no controls or quality measures used in these adulterants. They can be chemicals or products from around the home or garage and the additives themselves can be toxic, end quote. Dr. Roberts goes on in his article to point out just what a bad problem this is. Overdose deaths in America increased from 23,500 in 2002 to 70,200 in 2017. And a brief aside out of the article, drug overdoses got even worse in 2020, with the highest ever 93,000 drug overdose deaths, Dr. Roberts continues highlighting the effects of tainted opiates specifically, with opioid overdose deaths increasing fourfold from 2002 to 2017, with numbers going from 11,900 to 47,600 during those years. And in my community, we are seeing this from fentanyl. It arrived in our community in 2019, and it completely changed our drug landscape. Dr. Roberts goes on in his article to look at some specific articles in the scientific literature on this topic. The first paper that Dr. Roberts chose to highlight is from the Journal of Public Health Reports. 
The lead author was VM Singh, and the article was published in 2020. The title is The Emerging Role of Toxic Adulterants in Street Drugs in the U.S. Illicit Opioid Crisis. Now, it's a little weird here as I am doing a review of an article by another physician who is reviewing other articles, but I think this is a great topic, so here goes. Dr. Roberts presents the most pertinent points from this article by Singh, and here they are. Opioid overdose deaths are rising, yet deaths from cocaine and prescription opioids are remaining constant. So it's the deaths from illicit opioids that are on the rise. 75% of opioid deaths in 2018 involved a non-methadone synthetic opioid, the most common of which is fentanyl. Fentanyl and fentanyl analogs are produced in secret labs rather than in commercial pharmaceutical labs. Fentanyl is sold on the street as a powder and mixed with other products, such as heroin or less potent opioids. Fentanyl and fentanyl analogs may go undetected because toxicology labs are unable to detect them. Other adulterants may be in the drugs as well. One study found additional pharmacologically active substances in street drugs in 97% of samples in Vermont and 89% of samples in Kentucky. And there are reports from autopsy data noting that people who die of a drug overdose are likely to have additional substances from adulterants in the drugs purchased on the street. They note that patients may have as many as 11 substances in their system at autopsy. Dr. Roberts moves on to highlight a second paper. This one is from the journal Forensic Science International. The lead author is T.R. Fiorentin, and it was from 2019. The title was Determination of Cutting Agents in Seized Cocaine Sample Using GCMS, GCTMS, and LCMSMS. Dr. Roberts presents the most pertinent points from this second article by Fiorentin, and here they are. This was a study to evaluate what agents were found as adulterants in cocaine. The study involved using chromatography, mass spectrometry, and other tests. They looked at the common adulterants of cocaine, which are reported as levamisole, benzocaine, phenacetin, hydroxazine, theophylline, acetaminophen, and caffeine. Cocaine was unadulterated, or pure, in only 17% of the cocaine samples. Levamisole was found in 80% of the cocaine samples, and in some samples accounted for as much as 75% of the product tested by volume. To clarify, that means that some samples of what was sold as cocaine was 75% levamisole. If you're wondering why these agents are cut into the drugs, it's because they are cheap and legal compounds that have some sort of central nervous system effect that the user will think is similar to that of the sought-after street drug. Some adulterants cause minimal toxicity while others can be really dangerous. Quinine and quinidine have been reported as being cut into street drugs, most often heroin, and given their activity as class 1A antiarrhythmics, they can be associated with cardiac arrhythmias or even cardiac arrest. Now, if you're like me, you're probably wondering, what is levamisole? I know that I've heard of it in cocaine, but I didn't know much about it. Dr. Roberts goes on to give us the highlights on levamisole in this second article. 
levamisole is approved by the FDA as an immunomodulatory drug, an adjuvant to chemotherapy, and as an anti-helminthic drug. While it is not known exactly why it is added to cocaine, it is believed to potentiate the effects of cocaine. And interestingly, horses metabolize levamisole to a compound called aminorex, which is similar pharmacologically to amphetamines. And one thing that I did want to add on the topic of levamisole outside of Dr. Roberts' article is that it's associated with agranulocytosis. So if you have someone using illicit drugs, particularly cocaine, and they have neutropenia, it's worth considering levamisole as the cause given how frequently it is cut into cocaine. Dr. Roberts takes on a third paper. This one is from the Journal of General Internal Medicine in 2012. The lead author is K.A. Phillips, and the title is Cardiac Complications of Unwitting Co-Injection of Quinine and Quinidine with Heroin in an IV Drug User. This was something that we mentioned briefly earlier, and we'll be diving in deeper here. Dr. Roberts again presents the most pertinent points from this third article, and we'll go through them here. There are always new products being used in the illicit drug trade to cut street drugs. In an ideal world, we could quickly and easily identify contaminants and therefore know what we are treating when patients with illicit drug use come to us in the emergency department and the hospital, but this is not possible given the huge number and wide variety of compounds used to cut street drugs. Studies of heroin purity in Maryland in 2019 varied from 0% to 36%. Common adulterants included acetaminophen, caffeine, diphenhydramine, methorphan, alprazolam, catiapine, chloroquine, deltaism, cocaine, procaine, lidocaine, quinine, quinidine, phenacetin, and thiamine. That's quite a list. You'll recognize a lot of these names as commonly used prescription or over-the-counter drugs. This third article that Dr. Roberts is summarizing reports the case of a 31-year-old man who was participating in a research study who was found to have an accelerated AV junctional rhythm. He did have a history of intravenous heroin use, but was on methadone at the time. The authors ended up doing a gas chromatography and mass spectrometry analysis on his urine and found codeine and morphine, the test couldn't separate which one it was, methadone, acetaminophen, and quinine and quinidine, and again, the test couldn't differentiate between quinine and quinidine. Since methadone is not usually associated with an AV junctional rhythm, it was deduced that this unusual rhythm was due to the quinine and quinidine in his heroin, since quinine and quinidine have activity as class 1A antiarrhythmic drugs. This third paper goes on to give us more data from Maryland. Quinine and quinidine were the most common adulterants in heroin in Baltimore, being found in two-thirds of all heroin samples in 2009 and 2010. You might be asking, why quinine and quinidine? Well, it turns out they have a bitter taste that is similar to that of heroin, and they can also cause transient hypotension, which can be felt as a rush similar to that of heroin. The patient in this study ended up reducing his heroin use, and when a repeat EKG was done, 
he had a sinus bradycardia with some AV disassociation and junctional acceleration. Dr. Roberts makes some final points to close up his review article from Emergency Medicine News. First, our street drug supply is full of a wide variety of substances. Second, toxicity from these adulterants can be from direct toxicity, such as levamisole causing a granulocytosis, or medication interactions, as quinidine has major drug interactions with 135 different medications. And third, when you're taking care of patients with illicit drug use, be aware of the presence of adulterants. And it's important to know that our emergency department and hospital urine tox screens will not pick up these adulterants. So that's the end of Dr. Robert's review article, and this is such a scary topic. Our patients who use illicit drugs may have one or more of thousands of different chemicals cut into their drugs, and we have essentially no ability to detect which chemicals are affecting our patients in real time while we care for them. Now, Dr. Roberts focused mostly on pharmaceutical adulterants in our street drugs, but there's more to the story. We also have what I like to call color matching. And let's start with why dealers cut drugs. The answer, of course, is profit. If I have a kilogram of cocaine, I can sell a kilogram of cocaine. If I can cut the cocaine in a one-to-one -one ratio with another substance, I can now sell two kilograms of cocaine, so I just doubled my profit. In some cases, dealers, as we discussed earlier, will mix in psychoactive substances when they cut drugs so that the user feels something euphoric or active on the central nervous system. Other times, dealers will simply cut their drugs with a filler powder of the same color and texture, which dilutes the drug but increases the volume of product and therefore profit. I have a lecture which I give to high school students on how to stay safe in our current era of fentanyl, and one of the things I discuss with them is that drugs are often cut with chemicals that we would never want to put in our bodies. If a dealer has a drug in a white powder form, here are some common chemicals used as fillers to increase the volume of the product. Baking soda, laundry detergent, sugar, talc, caffeine, cornstarch, powdered milk, pesticides, and the list goes on. Now, in my community right now, unfortunately, most of our drugs are being cut with fentanyl. And fentanyl is a topic in and of itself for this podcast, which I will do soon. But here are the basics. Why is fentanyl showing up in our drugs? Well, it's cheap, it's potent, and therefore easy to smuggle, and it's psychoactive, so when dealers cut the drugs with fentanyl, people feel euphoria or some sort of effect on the central nervous system. But worst of all, as we discussed at the beginning of this episode, it's lethal. And there are tons of different types of fentanyl and fentanyl analogs, so often we can't test for them. Our hospital has a fentanyl urine drug screen, but it only detects pharmaceutical fentanyl. So any other fentanyl analog will show up as a negative. And that's so frustrating, given that we're seeing so many overdoses and even fatal overdoses from fentanyl in my community. 
Now, I wanted to dig a little deeper on this topic, so I did find another paper that I thought was very helpful in terms of giving us information on this topic of adulterants in street drugs. It's by T.R. Fiorentin and B.K. Logan from the International Journal of Drug Policy from 2020, and the title is Analytical Findings in Used Syringes from a Syringe Exchange Program. And this is a study done in a syringe exchange program. And if you need a review on this topic, we covered it in episode nine on harm reduction. The goal of the study was to assess commonly used substances in the illicit drug market to see what agents are commonly used to cut the drugs and examine polydrug patterns. This was a study done in New York City in collaboration with a syringe exchange program. They collected 357 syringes from a city syringe exchange program between March and June of 2017. The study involved taking used syringes and washing them out with methanol to get whatever chemical was inside, and then analyzing the collected fluid to see what compounds or chemicals were in the syringe. They used various analytic techniques, including gas chromatography and liquid chromatography, to analyze what substances were in the drug supply. What did they find? Well, in 275 out of the 357 syringes, that was 77%, one or more substance was detected. Heroin was the most common substance in 72% of cases. Cocaine was next in 35% of cases. Fentanyl was third with 13.5% of cases. Methamphetamine was fourth with 7.5% of cases. And furanyl fentanyl was present in 3.6% of cases. And interestingly, in 23% of syringes, there was no substance detected. And the authors actually point out that they believe these were syringes that were turned in unused. The authors move on to discuss their findings. They highlight the regional variability of the drug supply using fentanyl as an example. In this study, about 19% of cases had some sort of fentanyl derivative, which is very different from studies done in Europe and Australia. 45% of syringes only contained one substance, while some syringes contained six or more substances. And they discuss why they might detect multiple substances in a syringe. It might be that the syringe was reused with different drugs. It might be that users were mixing drugs. Or it might be that there is contamination or cutting of drugs. The authors show in Table 1 of the article, a comprehensive list of all of the substances detected, 34 in total, over just a three-month period. And many of the substances were ones we've already heard about in this episode. Quinine, quinidine, levamisole, caffeine, lidocaine, and phenacetin. And I really liked the methodology of this article as it looked at used syringes rather than seized product or drug supply. It looked at what people were actually injecting rather than what might have been seized by law enforcement. And the take home from this article is similar to what Dr. Roberts presented. Adulterants in drugs are common and variable. Let's wrap this up with some take home points. Number one, our street drug supply is full of a wide variety of substances. There is a ton of regional variation and if you can find out what is commonly cut into drugs in your local area, 
that could be very helpful for your practice. Two, toxicity from these adulterants can be from direct toxicity, such as levamisole causing a granulocytosis, or medication interactions such as quinidine, which interacts in a major way with 135 different medications. Three, when you're taking care of patients with illicit drug use, be aware of the presence of adulterants, particularly if a patient's presentation from drug intoxication doesn't fit with the usual toxidrome. And it's important to know that our ED and hospital urine toxicology screens will not pick up these adulterants. Number four, fentanyl is here in our drug supply. Be liberal with your prescriptions and distribution of naloxone. All right, everyone, that's all we've got on this topic. Thanks for tuning into this episode. And as always, thank you for what you do. Treating substance use disorders saves lives.